This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody, to episode eight of the Browns Film Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, John Colosimo, and with me, as always, is Jake Burns. And we're here to preview the Ravens this week. Jake, how are you feeling about this game? Yeah, um, it's an important game, obviously. It, it became more important when they lost this heartbreaker to Oakland. So I think it's going to be a really good test, John, to see where they're at mentally, physically, skill-wise, all the above. But the Ravens are the, – the Ravens have ways to beat them. There is certainly a path to beating the Ravens that is not hidden. But they're very good, they're very physical, and they certainly will never rule over for anybody. So that will be um, what I'm paying attention to is how do we match their physicality because they play hard and they are strong, my friend. Yeah, you know, I noticed that same thing, and in uh, rewatching it, in preparation for today, you know, it, it was that strength that stood out. And I'm wondering, you know, just, you know, I won't get too far into it. Just looking at them against the Steelers, you know, they don't seem to on the front seven, they don't come off the edge with very much speed, but it seems like they slowly kind of choke down on your offensive line with power and uh, they do it uh, pretty well and collapse that pocket. So I'm wondering how our tackles, are going to hold up to that kind of strength, but we'll get into more of that later. But you're right. It was just such a physical game. I guess it always is with the Ravens and Steelers, but it really stood out. I'm hoping they got some bruises that they're carrying into this week. Yeah, we could use them sort of sleepwalking into Cleveland. I don't think anybody's really sleepwalking with Cleveland like they did a year ago or even two years ago, or I don't know, maybe the last 15 years, whatever. I feel like it's becoming too recognized in the rest of the around the rest of the league that that Cleveland can play and you don't want to be just like the Jets were sort of embarrassed. You don't want to be the team that loses to, you know, that loses to the Browns. So I, I don't expect to see a sleepwalking Ravens team, but I, you know, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Yeah. What did you think about the, that game? They, you know, it, it was closer than, you know, it looks like if you just looked at the box score, uh, you know, it's close into that fourth quarter, they pulled it out in the end there, but um, they did some work against that Pittsburgh offense. Yeah, they're they're just good. They're really good defensively. Uh, I mean, they've given up 14 points, 14 points, and three points. Now the Bills you kind of throw out the window, but right. Denver, Pittsburgh, and then they did give up 34 to Cincinnati, but I think Cincinnati's pretty good, and we'll we'll get into that later this year, but. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be 
really good defensively. They're never going to light the scoreboard on fire. So if you're going to beat Baltimore this week, my thought process is something around, and we'll get into this more later, but it's going to be in the mid to low 20s uh, type of win because they can be stopped offensively. They are not a juggernaut or even really middle of the road offensively. Joe Flacco's playing some pretty solid football, but there, there's certainly past to beating them. Yeah, I think that there's a couple of keys uh, that we'll get into um, that that really makes sense to focus on if we're going to try and stop that offense or, you know, at least keep that score low. It seems like if this Ravens team, and this goes back years, is ever putting up like 40 plus, it's because you've turned that ball over three, four times and they're they're killing you that way. Yeah, I mean, you really hope that you can make Flacco throw his infamous um, – you know, arm punts, make him throw the ball downfield. If you allow him to do what he did against us twice last year, which was find tight ends over the middle of the field. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm a little under the weather. So breathing's a little bit challenging for me right now. Um, if you let him find tight ends, you let him find check downs to his backs. It will be a death by a thousand cuts. I mean, it, re- it really will be that type of game and we'll be pretty frustrated. So the, in my opinion, the route to beating Baltimore has always been take care of the football handle your field position battles, and make a big play if you can. Don't miss any opportunities at big plays, and that's how you that's how you really beat them. I mean, you don't – I mean, the Bengals beat them by capitalizing on field position, and A.J. Green had three early touchdowns. But Jimmy Smith, as you know, is back this week, and he's their best corner. So you can kind of eliminate that, and the Browns don't have anybody at the wide receiver position and the talent level of A.J. Green. So it's, it's going to be, like I said, take care of the football, cannot have – four turnovers uh, obviously any game really but you can't you got to win the turnover battle in this game and you certainly have to make Joe Flacco do things he's not comfortable doing yeah I was telling um, my brother a little earlier today that you know this was a team it, with these drops that have been way above average uh, for normal NFL standards uh, Baker's been able to make up for quite a few of them I'd probably say half of those um didn't kill a drive or at least not that set of downs because Baker was able to make that next pass. Uh, This is not that team that you can drop seven passes against and still move the ball regularly. against. So uh, we'll definitely need to see uh, those drops start to level out to normal, normal patterns. uh, If we have any chance in this game. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect the Browns to carry a nine, nine 9% drop number for the rest of the year. I think that stuff will sort of work itself out as they grow more comfortable um, you know, too. with with Baker and all of that, I don't, I don't think, you know, some of these guys, the joke who's always going to have a little bit of the yips, and then Callaway is not as sure-handed as you would love. So, you know, I think, I think they're going to be some drops, but there, there can't be five, six, seven, eight drops in a game, especially in crucial moments where points are swung in a game like we saw last week. So it'll be, it'll certainly be something to keep an eye on um because baker throws to tight windows he's the third best quarterback passer rating wise throwing into tight windows and catches get harder in tight windows so that's going to be a big part of of who the browns culture is going to be in the in the next you know five years offensively five to ten years is getting wide receivers who can make catches in tough contested areas because he's going to rip it into those tight areas you know what i mean good point no that is a good point well, you know, headed into some specifics here, let's talk Ravens offense versus the Browns defense. Let's do it. Okay, so on the year, 
everybody's favorite AFC North quarterback, Joe Flacco, 110 of 171, completing 64% of his passes, uh, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, really pretty solid. I mean, the league this year is seeing a spike in yardage, completion percentage, and touchdowns, all a benefit of how pass coverage is being taken away from DBs and how quarterbacks are becoming less and less able to be touched. So those numbers are they're solid. They're, they, you know, ten years ago, those are ridiculously good first four game numbers, but those are really good Joe Flacco numbers. So he's playing well. You know, you know everybody wanted to supplant Joe with uh, Lamar Jackson, and I think the Baltimore's thought process was probably just what they're getting. If you ask me, uh, light a fire under Flacco's butt, and, and that's to me has happened. So um, Alex Collins, four games uh, for him in the backfield. The same with Buck Allen. Between the two of them, they have just over two hundred yards. Uh, rushing uh, five touchdowns between them. They also catch the ball out of the backfield. They've gone for 150 between the pair, a couple touchdowns. So if you morph those guys into one guy, they're pretty good. They're going to give a lot of the carries early downs to Alex Collins. He has 45 carries to Javoris, or sorry, Buck Allen's 26. And uh, Allen is going to share a good load of the passing game and later downs gun opportunities. He's had 19 targets, 15 catches. So, that's what you're looking at in the backfield. Wide receiver-wise, you obviously have the steady hand in Michael Crabtree. Nothing he does phenomenally. He's just really solid, good football player. Willie Sneed plays in the slot for them some. Just another guy. He's a jag to me. Um, he can be contained. Yeah. He's a runner. He runs well. But, you know, you, you can't let Willie Sneed beat you. He's had uh, 18 catches for 198. Crabtree's had 18 for 184. Both have a touchdown. Uh, their big play receiver, John Brown, who, man, I really wanted – um, four games played, 30 catches, sorry, 30 targets, 15 catches, 338 yards with a long of 71. He was a big, big problem for the Steelers all game, even on the ones he didn't catch, I found. Yeah, and he will be a problem for anybody that can't run with him. I would imagine this is the first time we see Denzel shadow, shadow somebody. I was thinking the same it would thing. Be wise, it would be wise to have him shadow because I'm not sure Carrier Gaines run well enough to stick with him. And, and Greg Williams' key philosophy is not getting beat deep. So, I would I would be surprised if we did not see that. But like I said, John Brown, 338, three touchdowns. Tight ends, names that we're familiar with. Baker's boy, Mark Andrews, uh, has started a game, played in four. He has 10 catches on 13 targets, a buck 19 and a touchdown. They're playing Nick Boyle. Their first-round tight end selection, Hayden Hurst, is hurt. He's out right now. Lamar Jackson has played in all four games, uh, has attempted 13 rushes, actually, for 62 yards. He has thrown one of four for 24 yards. I, I would expect a typical Baltimore wrinkle with, with Lamar Jackson. He's not he's not being used very effectively, but I would expect they throw him out there and do something quirky or, you know, I would hate to see it finally work against us. So I would just hope that they're preparing for that. What do you think? Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I, I don't think they're getting a lot of success out of these wrinkles, but uh, they're running them anyway. Um, uh I think that they've mostly been rushing attempts and uh, I mean, you got to be prepared for sure. Uh, and I think they'll try mm-hmm. them, but uh, I think it's just a, a thing that scares me about it is anybody can miss a tackle and he could be gone. Spot on my man. Spot on. I think it looks like rushing wise, the Ravens have attempted the six most runs in the NFL. Um, they have uh, only the 23rd most yards in the league have scored six rushing touchdowns, which is good for third, but they're 31st in yards per attempt at only 3.1. So an average run game, 
um, by every by every stretch of the imagination. Their passing game is in the top ten in every category, except for net yards per attempt. They are at fourteen, so they don't drive the ball downfield, but they are effectively throwing the football this year, um, which is I'm sure what they want. Starting your starting offensive line, you're going to get uh, somebody I thought was handled really well last year by Ogan Joby. I'm going to pay attention to that. Matt Skur is their center. Left guard Alex Lewis. Left tackle Ronnie Stanley, Notre Dame product they drafted a few years back. Right guard's Marshall Yonda, one of the best to ever play the guard position. And then right tackle is James Hurst. So your best offensive lineman this year, Stanley's, and this is just your best way of figuring out how production's been offensive line guys. 73.4 grade and Ronnie Stanley in, uh, in pro football focus. 65.6 in the pass, or sorry, run block, 80.7 pass blocks. So he's doing a nice job. That left tackle matchup with uh, Miles Garrett will obviously be pretty important. Marshall Yond is great now to the 67.1, 81.2 in the pass, 58.7 um, run block wise, so a little low on that side. Skur is a 63, Matt Skur, the center, 63.7. He's pass blocking at an 81.5, 56.2 run block. Obviously, run blocking grades are always lower. It's more challenging, a little bit more slip off happens. Um, Alex Lewis, um, who is their left guard, uh, struggled this year. He's a 48.8 grade, so maybe they can find ways to attack him with Larry um, and get uh, Emmanuel Ogba down inside on him on occasion when they bring in Jannard Avery. 56.4 pass grade, which is pretty bad. Their worst offensive lineman pass grade-wise, 43.7 in the run game. So something to take advantage of. And then right tackle James Hurst, 54.4. Overall, 67.8 in the pass game, 39.1 run block. I'd like to think Jannard Avery can, can, can gain some leverage there. So it's a solid offensive line. I think it's a little worse than Cleveland's uh, left to right, but production-wise, just my opinion, they, they do well, though. They'll be, you know, they're probably on par, both of them. Um, athletically, all of the above. So, um, like I said earlier, John, they're gonna they're gonna throw, they're gonna nickel and dime you. They're not gonna drive it downfield. They will take shots downfield, as we talked about. You just made a good point with the Pittsburgh game. John Brown's their shot downfield guy. I know we're starting EJ Gaines on the perimeter, so he will ma- likely match up a good amount with Michael Crabtree, and then you have Snead in the slot, and TJ Carey's gonna draw duties there. I would like to see Jeremiah McKinnon get some reps. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, yeah, I think we're going to need him to, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, and as far as John Brown goes, what I'm hoping uh, is the difference between Pittsburgh and us. They don't have Demarius Randall back there. And as long as he's practicing and playing, that should help quite a bit in not uh, falling asleep and then chasing John Brown up and down the field. Uh, but yeah, McKinnon, nice to see him back. You know, he had, uh, you know, he had many great snaps, I thought, in the preseason. Uh, a lot of people thought he'd be on the active roster. Uh, so it's not so bad. You know, the, it's not like uh, we're bringing on some of the guys that we have in years past when we've had injured, excuse me, injuries in the secondary. So McKinnon's not so bad, and I, and I do expect him to see some snaps. I, I would hope so. I think they got to shake it up because you can't expect the production and what we saw from Carey as being anywhere near acceptable for their standard. No. Um, so let's talk, um, Ravens defense. If you don't already have that pulled up, my friends. So their defense is led. I can click my mouse where I need to click it by. Let's see who's leading them tackles wise. Tony Jefferson, their strong safety. Another name I wanted a few years back. Yeah, um, almost had him. <laughs> yeah, he's a good football player, man. 17 total tackles. Uh, that might be a little bit off pro football reference. 
is where I'm pulling this data from. He has three passes defended. They're leading pass defend Brandon Carr, who might play, might not play. Marlon Humphrey has played. Uh, I imagine he's going to play in the slot with Jimmy Smith back. And those two lead him in passes defended. Interceptions, we have four interceptions. Jefferson, Anthony Levine, Brandon Carr, Patrick Onosar have all – the linebacker there is all – they've all pulled off interceptions. So uh, looking at who they are as a – as a group here defensively, you can kind of get a good feel from, from pro football focus. Their D, uh, the interior defensive line, which is um, Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce start inside, defensive end, Brent Urban. They always have a rush is what they call them. That's their two-point guy. Really, Terrell Suggs is Jannard Avery. I mean, that's they do the similar thing. So that's Terrell Suggs for them. I would hope Jannard Avery has a career arc like Terrell Suggs. That would be really fun. Um Maybe we're not talking about that enough. We talk right. about James Harrison. Maybe yeah, we're that's not true. talking about that enough. It could be. Um, I mean, the way he's producing. Yeah, yeah and he, he kind of plays the same. Uh, anyway, Mike Linebacker, C.J. Mosley, the Alabama product. Matthew Judon is the Sam. Uh, the name I mentioned earlier, Patrick Onosar, is the Will. And then safeties are Jefferson, the veteran journeyman. Not really a journeyman, only two teams. Eric Weddle, he's just a really good football player. And then uh, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, and they will welcome back uh, Jimmy Smith. Anthony Averett will play a little bit in there too. But your top scores, uh, let's look at total snaps, who's leading them, who's playing well. Jefferson's playing well, 75.7. Not tackling well, but covering well. Weddle's playing at a 72.9. Humphrey's playing at a 70.7. Brent Urban's your 77.8. Brent Urban's just a good football player. They're just really big physical Along the front line, Tim Williams is a good football player. He's a 73.1. Um, Terrell Suggs is at a 67, but you know he, he's going to flash any game he wants to flash at. So um, just, you know, they're just really good defensively. They, they have talent at every level, good talent at every level. Their defensive front is super physical. They don't really give up much in the run game. So It'll be interesting to see how the Browns attack them. I, I don't necessarily have a great answer for how to attack Baltimore. I think you just have to do some different combo routes to confuse them, in my opinion. Their their defense is currently second in yards allowed, third in points four. So they're giving up. Um, man, they're top ten in every pass category. They're, <laughs> they've only allowed – no, not at all. They've allowed – they're 23rd in attempts, but that means that teams are having to throw against them being behind. And then they're top 10 in everything rush defense-wise, none of which, as you said, uh, is, is in any way surprising. So um, I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't broken down their tape, John. I've only watched one game. I don't know how they'll attack them. I would imagine they're going to need to try to find some quirky ways to gain yards, misdirection, pulling people out of the box, uh, quick throws, trying screen game stuff. It'll be very interesting. I don't feel I don't feel great about this game, but it's still an offense led by a quarterback who's pretty good, who processes quick. And I do remember last year there were a couple opportunities that Deshaun Kaiser, I thought, missed to make plays through a couple interceptions. So it's going to be interesting to me how they attack them. I mean, do you – you've watched a little bit too. What do you think is the best way to attack what is, I mean, quite possibly the best defense in the NFL? Yeah, I had that uh, same – 
you know, I probably sat there for a good uh, 20 minutes, you know, as I prepped for the show today, trying to watch on that tape and trying to see how it is to attack this defense. Because one thing that really stands out when you're watching them is just how sound they are. You know, you do not see plays where guys are out of place, you know, like you often see it watching the Browns or, or something like that. You know, uh, they're just sound every play, play in and play out sound defense. Nobody seems to be missing assignments and the coverages, um, you know, to me, they sniffed out those quick screams pretty badly. They Pittsburgh didn't seem to be able to get anything going out there. I don't know if they'll try that. Um, if Pittsburgh can't do it, I want I worry about whether we can. Um, but, uh, it, the only thing I can come up with, Jake, and, you know, I don't know if I'm right at all, you know, because because you're kind of guessing. But it seemed to me what I wrote down was we need to try and give Baker time. If we can give them time to, you know, for some of our guys to find the, you know, between Baker and the receivers, find the holes in the zone because every every zone has holes. But he needs time to get there. And that's what I was a little worried about, how our tackles were going to hold up against that power on the outside, whether or not we could give him that time to to try and take advantage of some of the zone. Good point. I think they're going to have to, like you said, if they want to develop anything in the passing game, much like they did last week, I thought they did a pretty good job of pass blocking, giving him a nice, nice amount of time on a lot of throws. I didn't think, you know, Baker obviously gets the ball out quick, but I really thought they pass blocked well, minus the one under center five step quick, quick try and throw there where they got knocked ball knocked out by Hurst. I thought mm-hmm. they blocked pass blocked really well. So you're right. If they're going to develop anything, it's probably going to be downfield passing game. And it's probably going to be things that develop. I would hope that they do a little bit of RPO stuff. They've done more and more in the last few weeks. So uh, I, I, I think that could be a good sort of, I don't know, wrinkle to pull out of the bag a little bit more. Sure. So, um, but you know, sometimes as a, as a spectator, and I know I break down a lot of film, but I don't know. I'm just going to sit back and see how Todd Haley decides to go about it. If this were my decision, I would be hyper conservative. I would try to put myself ahead of the sticks as often as I can um, via, I think you have to do deceptive things in terms of throwing the ball when they think you're running it. Sort of those sort of things. I do not think you can get under center 13, 12 personnel, run the ball twice and throw third and eights. I just don't, I just don't think that's going to be a formula for success, but I do think they need to be conservative in how they approach those early down deception sort of schemes. So um, expect extra blockers staying in, expect chips on defensive ends, especially Sug side to help out the rookie. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how they attack it because this is why Todd Haley's a professional coach. So we'll see sort of if he can come up with a game plan that can can be conservative in nature, take care of the football, but also put them in some spots that they can they can take advantage of with some of their minor advantages on offense. Yeah, I'd like to see them just kind of like you alluded to there. Yeah, I don't mind having some blockers stay in, um, but I'd like to see him chip and then get out on a route. You know, uh, it, if we just try and kind of max protect, I, I think that'll turn out pretty badly for us. Um, but uh, I wonder, you know, again, this name kind of keeps coming up. Somebody who I think can help us here, Seth the Valve. Do we think that he's going to actually play this week? Because we could use him, especially if we try and spread the ball out or do some funky things like you were talking about uh, on Twitter today, you know, uh, emptying out sets, you know, out of two tight end sets or you know, things like that. I think DeValve would 
really be nice. Uh, and he's shorthanded. So it would be really nice to get him on the field to uh, help us out here. Yeah, without a doubt. I was fooled. I thought he was playing last week. I haven't seen the injury report, but I would imagine if he was limited the last few days of practice last week and didn't play, I would imagine he's he's close to being ready to play right now. So I, I would hope he's out there. And, I, yeah, I'd hope they use him in some quirky ways against linebackers where he can create some separation. So good point. Yeah. Um, the As far as uh, what a win looks like, what do you, I mean, we talked a little bit about it earlier, getting into a little bit. Uh, how do you think that we can make this happen? They're going to have to play a clean game. They're going to have to, as you and I and everybody, it seems, in Brown's Twitter world have talked about, um, DVOA came out for special teams, and the Browns are on pace to have their worst, the one of the worst years ever in DVOA accumulated rankings. They've been terrible. So they have to find a way to not let special teams beat them. If you're if the ball's kicked in, you know, right down to the one yard line, let it go in the end zone. Or if you're going to return it, please don't run into your own guys. You know, get the ball out close to the twenty five. If I were an opposing team, I'd make the Browns return them every single time. So. Um, just yeah special teams don't don't give up any I mean don't give up any leaky situations don't give up blocks in the back that hurt field position on punt return don't don't give up any fluky punt blocks or somebody doesn't stay on long enough just they've been really bad special teams John and I would like to see them have a clean week haven't seen it yet and if you're going to win this game you have to be clean in special teams so um, that's going to be important so uh, that's an aspect they're going to have to win I would love to see them have some wrinkles in their game plan early. I don't know if you remember two years ago, the Browns actually jumped out 20 to nothing on Baltimore at home early in the season. I was at that game and it was, it was 20 to nothing. We're all feeling good. And they block a PAT special teams, ironically enough, return it. And it's 20 to two. And you could just kind of feel in the stadium that we're going to probably lose this game. And they ended up losing that game. So I would like to see them jump out early via some wrinkles of spots that they think they can manipulate coverage, get some advantageous uh, throws downfield, jump out early. Cause if you play from behind against Baltimore, I think it's a, um, it's a problem and it's a recipe for disaster. So I don't want to see Cleveland fall behind 14, nothing early like they did against the jets. Obviously fell behind seven, nothing against Oakland off the tip pick six. So play out in front, play clean special teams and, you know, allow, allow Baltimore to don't allow them to take the top off their defense at any point and play forward, play aggressively on these linebackers, running backs where Flacco likes to dump it to. Yeah, I had a good amount of that in my notes. You know, I, I think it's going to be a very tough game to win. So as I lay this out, it's not that I necessarily think that we could accomplish it, but I think that this is how we would win if if it happens. So, yeah, I, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Larry, getting some good pressure on the inside off their center last year. And I think that that's a key. I think if, if we can get Larry going, you could really disrupt, uh, you know, an entire passing offense or, you know, even your rushing offense. If uh, you have a penetrating DT, uh, you know, the, that matchup with uh, Garrett versus Staley, they, that would be nice to have Garrett get the better of him. I mean, you're talking about strength versus strength there. So, you know, something's got to give, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Garrett has a big game here, uh, get a strip sack. You know, I'd like to see some things happen without us having to try and bring the house. You know, I don't want to see Greg having to try and bring five and six people all game just to get some pressure on Joe and make him uncomfortable. Yeah, because I think that's still effective. I think it's still very effective. If you pressure him, he'll make some mistakes. 
uh, that I, from what I've seen, these, this offensive line has just played so well this year that people aren't getting a lot of pressure on him. Uh, and I think that's a big part of why he's having one of his best years uh, in recent memory. Uh, but like you said, uh, you know, can't let John Brown take the top off the defense. Uh, I'd like to see Chubb get some real carries in this game. This is a guy who can help us in this game. Somebody who's going to make people miss and make explosive plays. Um, you know, that's not really what Carlos's strength is. You know, I think what Chubb, Chubb can really help against a very sound defense, a guy that makes people miss, um, you know, that's the, that's something that can turn the tide for us. So you know, that's that's what I'm looking at um, and what I'm hoping to see. Good point, man. I like all those. I think that, that, that between the two of us, uh, those if we backtrack this next week, we'll probably be talking about aspects, whether they failed or succeeded in, and that outcome will play into to how those things shook out. Um, let's look at prop bets, contest this week. Uh, right now, here's the numbers we have thrown out there for, for everybody. Baker's over and under, 250 total yards. Uh, over under turnovers at two even. Nick Chubb over under seven and a half touches total through the air and on the ground. Same thing with Duke Johnson over under seven and a half touches. Browns receivers over under three and a half drops. That's fun yet sad. Browns a Ravens win turnover battle. John Brown over under 1.540 yard plays. Browns over under two and a half sacks. Flacco over under 90 quarterback rating. Ravens over under three sacks. Ravens tight ends over under 90 yards receiving. Alex Collins over under 80 total yards between uh, receiving and rushing. And then Carlos Hyde over under 75 yards rushing. Okay. So I am going to give you my five or is it four or five? I, I suck at this. Any, any amount you want, but 500 is the max and you like to do those hundreds. So it's five for mm-hmm. you. Five for me. I'm going to take Baker under two turnovers. If I push, I push. I'm going to take Chubb under seven and a half touches. I'm going to take John Brown under one and a half 40-yard plays. I think he gets one. I'm going to take Alex Collins on the over 80 total yards between the air and the ground, and then I'm going to take Carlos Hyde on the under 75 yards rushing. All for 100, my my good friend. All right, let me those those all sound I I mean I make them to be tough. So, um, you know, they they sound good. Just depends on how you envision that game going out. So, um I think what I'm going to go for is I'm going to take Baker over 250 yards passing. Uh, I'm going to gamble on our offensive line being able to protect him. I think that's what it'll be about. Um I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take the other side of that chub and it's and I admit that it's you know there's a hope factor here because I think he's key and I think you're going to need him give more than seven touches uh, for us to win this game. Uh, so I'm going to go for the over there. Uh, I am going to I'm going to go with the Browns over two and a half sacks. I'm hoping that Larry comes through for us and either gets the sacks himself or pushes him into Ogba or Garrett on on the edges there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go Flacco under a 90 QB rating. And I think I'm going to stop right there. All right. Those are good, man. This will be fun to track next week. Yes. Yeah, which I'm going to get back on track of, by the way. I need to post my scores. Got a little behind that on the Facebook page. I will have that up this week. So, guys, get your picks in. 
Um, and I will have the standings up as well. All right, I guess uh, wrapping it up here, uh, I'm hoping for good things this weekend. I'm hoping for a good Sunday night so we can have a fun show. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we we could use a relaxation type of show, that's for sure. I agree. Yeah, well, as always, uh, I'm Jay Cosmo on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, Jake, you want to tell them where you can find you? Yeah, two spots, guys, at Browns Film Breakdown, and, um, which is at Browns Film BDN. And then my personal account, always feel free to holler at me, yell at me, scream at me, at Jake underscore Burns 18. I will also be up at the game. If you are there, come see me. I'm, uh, I'm up in 312 or shoot me a message on Twitter or at me or whatever, man. I'd love to meet you. If you, uh, you know, if we have usual banter on there. So, um, yeah, man, go Browns. And hopefully, hopefully we get a dub this weekend. Go Browns. I wish I was there too, Jake. Have a good one. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com